It takes an extraordinary team to embark on an extraordinary mission. WealthVest presents the 99 Best Marketing Ideas, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors the most cutting-edge marketing strategies. Listen in as your fellow advisors share their top ideas to help you conquer your marketing needs. Hello and welcome to another 99 Best Marketing Ideas podcast brought to you by WealthFest. I'm Matt Haller and I'm your host. And today uh, we're doing something a little bit different because usually we've had one singular advisor on, but today we're going to highlight a firm. And I think this is super exciting for a couple of reasons. Number one, because we're always looking for people who are doing things that are truly unique and different, right? Because that's why we have this podcast. But it's when you can incorporate something that's truly unique and different in a, in a whole firm, you're just rising above everybody. I mean, that's what that's what a lot of you really want to create. And Great Waters Financial has created that. I've got Elijah Kobar, who's the founding partner, and Austin Schmidt, who's a partner in the VP of Operations, on our podcast today. So guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Hello, Matt. Okay, let's talk about the history of Great Waters. Where, where did this idea come from? And and you have a little different of a model. Uh, so let, let's talk about that. Sure. And Austin can maybe fill in a little bit here, this Elijah. But we started Great Waters Financial in uh, October of 2012. My partners and I were working at a, a different firm. And we had an idea that we wanted to do advising differently than we were and, and differently than than we had seen in the industry. So we set out with a vague idea of what we wanted to accomplish. And we're looking up, you know, 2019 here, we've got five offices, 45 employees. And uh, we feel like we've created a, a lot of what we had set out to do. The idea was to be able to offer clients a more holistic solution when we gave advice to them. I had so many clients where I would sit down with them, I would listen to them, I would ask them what they wanted. They would tell me they wanted security or they wanted income and retirement or they wanted to know they weren't running out of money. And I would give them products that I thought would provide that type of, the peace of mind they were looking for in that area. At the end of the day, I would ask them, how do you feel? And I didn't sense that they were getting the peace of mind they were looking for. And what we endeavored to do in starting Great Waters was to build out a a holistic planning process that could answer more of their questions and give them the certainty they were looking for. Can I retire when I want to spend my money on the things I want to spend it on and know that I'm still going to meet my goals 10, 20, 30 years down the road, even if a rainy day comes along? Yeah, and to add to that, I, I think that once we found that people really wanted to be freed from the day-to-day of their finances, we realized that this is something that the market isn't doing very well. And hopefully we can reach as many clients and change as many lives in that process as we can. So since essentially 2012, 2013 timeframe, we were really focused on building a business that was completely scalable, very efficient, and would reach as many people in whatever demographic or geographical region they exist in. We have heard repeatedly that people who are getting close to retirement or or who are in retirement, their number one concern is risk, right? That they're terrified that they're going to run out of money, whether that's longevity risk, healthcare risk. When you're talking about the holistic aspect of this, would you mind 
just talking a little bit about those two major risks in market risk. I'm sorry, that'd be three. So, so longevity, healthcare, and market risk. Would you mind yeah. talking a little bit about how you position yourselves to give them that peace of mind? Yes, it all starts with a, a systematic process that we have for planning. We use a few different software systems and we've centralized our planning process so that no matter what office or advisor a client is sitting with, they're going to get the same customized plan. Now, I want to distinguish something here. We don't use a boilerplate plan. We have a, a systematic uh, method or a standardized process for how we customize a plan. When we do our forecasts, we, we forecast, first of all, I'll cover healthcare risk. We, we forecast increasing healthcare costs throughout retirement. And the big one is what if I end up in long-term care or a nursing home? We have a side of our software where we can illustrate what if you spent three, four, five, six, seven years in long-term care and what does that do to your assets down the road? And clients are able to see clearly, hey, I've got a problem and I need to do some planning there or, oh, wow, I'm going to be okay. I'm not, I'm not going to go broke if I end up in the nursing home. I guess I can't afford to take this vacation I was debating about. So that's the first one with healthcare risk. Longevity risk goes hand in hand with that. The software that we use to project for that also shows what asset balances are going to look like throughout retirement with increasing costs of living. You know, people don't realize that expenses are going to double throughout their retirement. Mm -hmm. When we look in the long haul, if you've got two and a half percent inflation every year, you know, we're increasing the cost of spending when we go into retirement for things like travel. Usually people's expenses are not going down in retirement. People are spending more in the early years, and how do we plan for those expenses and make sure the assets are going to last? So we use software uh, to give a, a very de detailed explanation of what clients' forecasts are going to look like, and we walk through that with them with conservative rates of return. And the last one that you mentioned is market risk, and my experience is that that is absolutely one of the highest um, concerns that people have. People lived through 2008, and they watched people have to go back to work hmm when the market dropped the way it did. We, they, they watched people not taking their vacations or questioning if they were going to be okay when the market was down. And it's a shame when people don't do the things that they intended on doing just because the market's down. So planning ahead of time before the market drops to have some money on the sidelines that we can live off of. You know, if the market goes down for two years and takes three years to recover, how do we get through those five years without having to sell any of our stocks or funds when the market is low. Um, that's a fundamental part of our planning process and we have a specific methodology for how we give that advice to each client based on their unique cash flow situation. So how do you get this message out, guys? Uh, I mean, you're you're growing exponentially. You've created this juggernaut of a of a of a business. What are some of the ideas that you've used in the past from a marketing or or whatever perspective to help you grow like this? Sure. Uh, you want to take that? Yeah, I can take that. Well, so we really started with education. That's really the basis of everything that we do. So educating the communities around us, educating them on concepts that they maybe have had pushed on them by financial advisors, but never really understood for themselves or how it interacts with a, a holistic plan. And those educational events could be your typical social security strategy seminars at community, community centers and libraries or dinner workshops where you're bringing a friend and learning about how long-term care could affect your retirement assets. 
And so really it started with getting as many people to come out to hear the concepts that we were going to be putting in place for their plan and hoping that that drove an excitement that they never experienced while meeting with a financial planner. So really we focused on presentation, getting people out, driving direct mailers and also online leads and trying to get as many people to hear what a holistic plan means and how understanding the concepts that are inside of that plan work to better their lives. Um, what we found, uh, it, it, what we have found over the years, and we still do these type of uh, educational presentations on a regular basis. I'm teaching one of these classes tonight at a local college. Um, we, you know, we send out invites to people who are in their 50s and 60s. They come out to these events, and what I consistently hear year after year, event after event, is people tell me I've had an advisor for 30 or 40 years or 20 years, whatever it is. And they'll say, you know, they usually talk about investments, but no one has ever educated me on the tax side. No one has ever educated me on protecting from downside risk as I enter retirement or social security maximization. So there's some unique topics that we're educating uh, the public on at those events. And that gets their ear and they want to come into the office and, and see what else we have to teach them. I'm going to ask you my favorite question, which is, uh, what what did you try to do that didn't work well? Like what are, what are some things that you like threw a whole crap ton of money at and you're like, dang it, that didn't work? <laughs> oh wow, where do we start? This is a long list. Um, <laughs> we what are you talking about? Yeah, everything we've ever done was successful. What do you mean? Well, I the one that I always like to rub in Elijah's face is uh, public television. Public oh. television definitely did not work for us. The the whole concept of doing advertising on public television was great in theory, but it really was not not something that paid off at all. So people had heard us and seen us, but it didn't drive any revenue coming into the business. The other thing that I believe is a pretty large failure that is actually being done throughout the industry are client appreciation events. It's great that your clients know that you appreciate them, but you can do that through continuing education. You can do that by doing lunch and learns where they come out, you buy them lunch and continue the conversation of learning. You can also do that by just being in their lives and having a relationship with your clients by throwing them retirement parties. And uh, one thing that we do in one of our offices is we pr get professionally printed business cards that have the client's name and it just says retired and has their favorite hobby. So Bob Johnson, retired fisherman. And yeah. those are things that clients grab onto and say, you have heard us, you care about us, you are involved in my life and you care about the well-being of the lifestyle that I want to live. And you don't have to throw me a $80 dinner in some fancy theater somewhere to make me know that I'm appreciated because you're doing it with your actions. Right. Just a couple of examples of our failures there. We, um, the second year in business, we had over 100 clients that we had come out to a, a ballroom and we threw a big dinner. I mean, it was like planning a wedding and it was about as expensive as that. We had all these clients come out. We had live entertainment fly into town from out of state. We did this amazing Christmas dinner. We encouraged them to bring friends. A lot of them brought like their kids and stuff. And 
I mean, we spent all this money, all this time. We thought these clients are going to love us when we do this. We didn't get one single referral from that. We tried it again. We took uh, two separate uh, on a lake near us. We did dinner cruises on these big boats. And we drove around and looked at all the big houses, gave them a tour, a nice dinner. Zero referrals came from this. I mean, we, we brought over 80 people out on those cruises. We did another one down the river with over 100 clients on one boat. Zero referrals came out of it. So we, we, we invested quite a bit in that. What we found is when we do educational events for our clients where we don't spend hardly any money, but they come out and we teach them something and we speak to them, um, they end up bringing their friends to that. We've actually gotten more referrals from these educational events than the client appreciation events. So let, let's talk about that because that's what's working and that's what's making you guys so successful today. Where did you, how did you create the event? Uh, let's talk about execution. How are you driving butts and seats? Because that's what everybody wants to know. And I know you guys are successful with this. So help us with that. Sure. Are you talking about the marketing events to the public or the referral events with our clients? Both. Okay. Well, I can probably start on the, the referral events. Um, one event that, that we've found successful is um, one that I'm doing in a couple weeks here where we rent out a room for free at a local college. They give us the room. We cater in some food for three to 500 bucks. It's, you know, quick appetizers from a decent restaurant in the area. People come in, they snack for 15 minutes and they sit down and we talk to them about taxes and tax reform. And we spend 45 minutes talking about taxes, educating them on concepts they weren't aware of. And then we open it up for questions and answers at the end. And we make it open for them to bring referrals to these events, but it, it really is a us, an us giving to them type thing. And we have had so much appreciation out of those events. We've had referrals uh, come out of those events. And then the other one that uh, is a little bit more directly results in business generated is we have our clients come out to a referral dinner. We go to a very nice restaurant in the area. Whoever's got a good meeting room, the, the better the restaurant, uh, the more successful we found this to be. We'll invite them out, but their ticket to come to the educational event on tax reform or whatever the topic is that we decide on is their ticket is bringing a referral with them. You know, a referral 50 plus, someone who could be a good potential client for us. So we pack these out. People bring out their friends to these events. We educate at these events. And then we collect their their friends' information and we set appointments right on the spot for them to come into the office. And that's generated some referrals for us as well. So we found that to be uh, definitely the most successful uh, marketing strategy involving our clients so far. Definitely better than all the money and time that was wasted on client appreciation events. <laughs> yeah, and on the public side, driving people to those seats has really been an attack from all angles. We do a lot of direct mailers. So we use a mailing house that pulls lists of people that are in our demographic that we're looking for and that we have tend to be successful with. And then also online. People are online daily at work, on their phones, on the weekend. And so we are advertising through Facebook and LinkedIn and social, different social media and fo making a big effort to be on top of Google ranking. So when somebody Googles retirement planning in Minneapolis, we know where they know where to go and they know where to find somebody who's good at it. So we are really focused on the online space quite a bit as well. And then lastly, 
public television wasn't a great thing for us, but local news stations have been a really great hit for us. Not only building credibility, so when somebody sees one of our mailers, they they recognize the name or they recognize the face that's on that mailer. But also when people see us on the news, they believe that we're credible, which we are, but we are talking about topics that are relevant to that client and to that prospect. And then we invite them out to a workshop from there. Not to get too much in the weeds, but part part of this podcast is 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 really the execution aspect of it. And I know that there are advisors listening to this right now saying, well, I want to be on TV. How did you guys position yourself to be able to be on your local news programs? Sure. It was really, it started for us with just networking. We have a lot of most all of our founders are very social people that are actively involved in their communities. And when you are rubbing shoulders with people in your community, you tend to rub shoulders with people that are somehow affiliated with media channels. But then also there are PR firms out there that you can work with and they will look around, do some research in the area that you are trying to market to and they will find you placements both on local television stations or interviews for local newspapers or magazines, as well as radio availabilities that are out there as well. And, and a lot of uh, written opportunities uh, we found with uh, PR firms that get us in the Wall Street Journal where we're quoted by the author as they're writing articles and things like that. Now, you had said that you didn't see a, a direct ROI with, with the public television, but I, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of challenging you guys here is... PR, and I just talked to a friend of mine in PR yesterday, and ROI is something that they struggle proving. How how are you guys saying, okay, A plus B equals C here, I'm on the news or I'm, I'm in the local paper, and therefore that increases blank. How, how are you tracking that? Because that that's a, something that I think is very elusive to a lot of people. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually something that we have been challenged with recently as we've continued to grow because there's a definitely a difference between advertising, PR, and lead generation. And keeping those things distinct in your budgeting is really important. But also knowing and being able to ask as soon as you interact with a client, how did you hear about us, has been a really big thing for us because they might see us on the news and that really is where they become familiar with Great Waters. But it wasn't until they received a mailer at their home that they decided to come out to a workshop. And so as soon as we interact with the client, whether or not they're coming in online at a workshop, our very first question is, how did you hear about us and what are you here to learn? And so if we are tracking that well, then we can split those people into different categories. And we implement a lot of different software systems throughout Great Waters, but the really one that has made the most impact has been our CRM, our, our client relationship manager, and making sure that you're documenting how somebody heard about you, what event was it that they that made them take action? So was it a workshop or was it that they saw us on Facebook? What was that decision point where they went from a passive uh, person that is just absorbing information to somebody who is reaching out and taking action. I want to highlight just a couple of quick statistics here uh, and, then a, and then a phrase that I want people to embed in their brain. Number one, it takes somebody 
to see something 10 times before they decide to make a decision if they're going to click on it and follow through. So you guys being ubiquitous, you guys being everywhere is really helping, which is the last point that I want to make. And then I have a couple other questions for you, but it's this, if you have to be, you have to be as a business owner in the medium in which your clients want to learn this information when they're there. Yeah, that's so good. And you guys are spot on with that, right? So you're on the news, you're in the paper, you're on social media, you're hitting people with mailers. See, people think that it, there's like a one trick pony here and there's a you know placebo or whatever that's just going to work. It's one pill. It's not. It's this, you guys have successfully created this this momentum generating thing because you are incorporating every piece of communication you can in order to get in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. Right, right, absolutely. And I think it's important to prioritize the things that are going to actually put people in the seats and create direct results. But Austin made a good distinction there. You know, you have to differentiate between branding and advertising and lead generation. Mm -hmm. Um, we spend more money on lead generation and direct marketing, but the credibility that we get when people see us on the news three times, or if they watch, you know, and we have regular weekly spots, and then when they get the advertisement in the mail or the 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 brochure that invites them out to an educational event, they go, oh, that's Great Waters Financial. I've seen them before. Gosh, I feel like I know who that is. Yeah. Where have you seen you know, they've just, we're familiar to your point, the 10, 10 times they've seen us maybe, and they get that mailer and they go, oh, that's familiar. They're credible. I'm going to come out to their event. And Matt, when, as we have, as we have seen in the last few years, having more, multiple marketing channels has actually increased our referral rate as well. So when somebody tells their friend that their financial advisor is the one on the news at eight o'clock in the morning, that's something that makes the other person want to also have that advisor or that company working on their behalf. If they're, if you're credible enough to be on the news and then you have a friend who's working with that, it just increases the curiosity and actually the jealousy making the referral business come in more quickly. Well, it's, it's that, it's that credibility factor, right? We, we refer to it as, as the influencer model uh, and you guys are truly an influencer. You have made it to the point where people don't look at you as just the advisor down the street. You are the solution person. You are those guys. And, and I think that's fantastic. Now, I, I want you guys to hearken back to when you first started in the industry. And if you both had one piece of advice for new advisors, what would it be? Hmm. I, I, I have one that first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that. I had an experience when I started in the industry as a young man. I was 23 years old and the president of the company that I was working for told me when, and I was doing house calls, I was driving 50,000 miles a year minimum, going to my clients' houses, meeting with them all around the state of Minnesota. And here's what the president told me. He said, when you go into their house, your job is to take an application. You're going to sell this product or this product or this product or this service. And he said, that is what you do. And it's the president of the company. You know, he seemed like a good guy. All right, that's what I'll do. And that's what I did. And there came a point in my career where I started asking myself the question, if this was my mom or my dad, 
would I give the client the same advice? And what I found is even though I had reasons to give the advice I was giving, my answer sometimes was no. And when I started asking that question, I had to change the way I was thinking through the advice that I was giving. I wasn't just being a salesman. I had to be an advisor. And my advice that comes out of that is every person that you sit down with, you need to care about them as if they were family. And if and ask yourself the question you know, as a new advisor, is this the advice that I would give to my mother? And if it is, you can give that advice with absolute conviction to that client or prospect. And what I found, I'm not just trying to sell things these days, but I'm bringing on way more business and my sales are much more, much more successful because I've got more conviction when I'm in front of that client. I know I'm doing the right thing and the client can tell. Yeah, and my piece of, of advice would be once you realize that it's not about you, that's when you've made it. Mm. The business that we are in is about helping people change their lives and you have an impact on a man, I just I, I love this. You have an impact in an area of somebody's lives that makes almost as much difference as their health their health and their finances. And it can't be about you. It can't be about how much money you're going to make, the lifestyle that you're going to live. It's about the people that are sitting across from you. And it's about how you are giving advice that's in their best interest and not your own. And the sooner that somebody can recognize that, the sooner that the success will come because that, that type of care is contagious. And it will not only be felt by your clients, but it'll be felt by your team that is working with you. And it'll be a culture that you're creating that is going to push more sales and it's going to push the success that you're going to see in the future. Let's uh, quickly talk about your guys' success and then I'll, I'll wrap it up with my final question. You know, you are now uh, on this podcast in front of a lot of other financial services professionals. Uh, is there anything you guys are, are looking for? Like if, if somebody listens to this and they're like, man, I really love their model or, you know, are you looking to bring on new advisors? Are you looking at taking over retiring uh, books of business? Is there anything you guys are looking for? I just like to kind of, I don't know, help you guys out for giving us such good information today. Sure. There's a couple things we're looking for. We're always looking to meet good professionals that want to do the right thing for the client, put the client first. We have advisors who are educationally focused, planning focused. We've got the marketing systems and the sales systems, but we need people who who really have share a similar heart and the, the value of wanting to drive inspiration to clients, to care about our clients and do it in an excellent way. So we're certainly looking for introductions to advisors. Anything else that we're looking for, Austin? Yeah, I would say this industry is also aging. It, if we can just say it that way, that we have a lot of advisors that are ready to hand over books of business and are, are looking to figure out how do they transition in the next season of their lives and how do they transition into their live greatly type of type of season. And so when somebody has a clientele, a clientele that wants to be um, passed along to a different advisor, when you're looking for a place to put that or a company to introduce them to, we are more than interested in talking to you and, and uh, seeing what we can do to help. And 
hoping hoping that we can also change their lives and continue the legacy that you've started with them. Right. And we do have a process for helping advisors transition into retirement where we take over their their practice. We actually set up an office three hours away to do that for an advisor. And, and he has moved uh, into retirement here the last couple of years. And that's been a, a fun thing to realize. As we were talking uh, before we hit the record button, my final question uh, is along lines, of, which is what keeps you working so hard every day? And both of you uh, emphatically talked about two components of your business that that keeps you working so hard every day, which you talked about is your core value and your mission. Would you mind sharing that with everybody and how that helps guide decisions and how that decide, uh, guides your culture? All right. Yeah, I'll share our mission and Austin can, can talk about culture and our core values. Um, our mission is to inspire and empower people to live great lives. We realize that we're financial planners. We do tax education and, and tax strategy and income planning throughout retirement. Everything that we do on the holistic planning side is to get the clients to a place where they know we've thoroughly planned their finances and they get to focus on what really matters. And what really matters is not their money. It's what they put the money there for in the first place. It's so that they can create memories and invest in relationships and do the things that they want to do without worry about their finances. So being focused on the client's goals is the number one part of our business. How many goals can we help clients achieve? And we actually track that. That is one of the, we're not just collecting assets. That's uh, one of the key metrics that we focus in on. And it drives the conversations in the office. We share stories in our meetings about what are we doing for clients. You know, if I can help a client retire two years early and take that trip with the grandkids that they've wanted to take, that's the biggest win for me and for every advisor at Great Waters. And those are the things that we, we all try to stay focused on with our staff. Yeah, and our core values, we actually have four core values, um, actively caring, pursuing excellence, cultivating growth and driving inspiration. And when we were deciding on these core values a couple of years ago, we wanted to come up with four that really could be applied to both our team and to the clients. And the four that we came up with were things that were um, put on our hearts that everybody could associate with, everybody could relate to, and it would drive a team towards a common goal of being the best that they could be and the best that they could be for other people and helping other people realize the best that's in themselves. And so when we came up with these four, we have really liked them. And now the hardest part is keeping them in front of people at all times and making sure that we are running a business and creating a team that is focus on the core values and making sure that they stay top of mind on the mission that we have. And so once a week, we actually have team huddles and we essentially nominate other people as to how did that person exemplify one of our core values this week. And sometimes one of the people on our team has had a great week and they get nominated four times and sometimes they go a couple months without anything or they're nominating other people. And then we make sure that at our company meetings and during our incentive trips and things like that, those people are recognized and and stood apart for and held out for something that they did well and making sure that we do practice what we preach. These are our core values and we will live them. Yeah. 
And one thing that I'll, I'll just mention that's been really fun, we do quarterly meetings comp- with the whole company. And every quarter we have uh, an operations staff member, team member, and an advisor who's nominated as the quarterly, what do we call that, values in action. Yeah, values in action. Uh, so it's our quarterly values in action, who has exemplified cultivating growth, actively caring, pursuing excellence, and driving inspiration. And uh, they're recognized in, in front of the entire team. So it's a kind of a coveted prize here. And that's been really fun over the last, I think we've been doing that for four meetings now. For yeah, a about year. a year now. About a year, yeah. But that, that at its core is what's helping us develop a healthy culture where we're attracting great talent. We have, most of our, our team members are referred by people who work at Great Waters that can't stop talking about the company that they're working at. And it's been really fun to, to watch their friends come in the door without having to go out and put out ads to advertise for new employees. We're having people that are like us coming on board who love to be here. Well done, guys. Uh, I, I I have to say, as a as a recovering uh, coach and consultant, I mean that that was always what we really wanted to try to implement in the firms that that my my company had worked with, because when everybody has that solid foundation and it's consistently reinforced, which is why it's working so well for you, that does change everything. And and the fact that your team is talking about how wonderful it is to work there, you guys are killing it from, from a revenue standpoint, from a value standpoint, from a mission standpoint, from a culture standpoint. You know, th- this has been a, a fantastic 99 Best Ideas podcast because I truly believe that, uh, you know, if other firms could look at your leadership and say, you know what, I want to be like them when I grow up, um, they're truly going to be successful. So thanks for being on the show, guys. Yeah, yep. thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So Elijah Kobar, founding partner and Austin Schmidt, partner and vice president of operations, Great Waters Financial, were our guests today. Uh, of course, I want to thank Wellfest for putting this on and giving all this information to all of you out there. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast, click that subscribe now button below and just take a moment and rate the podcast. You know, that really helps out Wellfest and also gives us some really good feedback on what you guys like and what you don't like. And if you have any ideas of other people who have done something as a financial advisor, financial services professional that is truly unique and different, please don't hesitate to reach out to your Wellfest a marketing consultant and have them get on the show. So for everybody at Wellfest and Great Waters Financial, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest or Top Advisor Marketing do not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest or Top Advisor Marketing does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.